Hello and welcome back to Global Value. In today's video, we're performing a fundamental stock analysis of Halliburton Company, ticker symbol HAL. Hal. We're looking at Halliburton today as a subscriber request. Currently, the business is trading for $40.69 per share, and over the past year, their stock price is up 43.5%. So we want to find out today, what are we missing? What could the market have possibly discovered about this business this year that's led to this kind of outperformance, especially when the S&P 500 is down over the past year? Over the last five years, however, Halliburton's stock price is down 23%, so they're down 5% compounded annually. From their lows in March of 2020, the business's stock price is up nearly eight times, however. Over the past 10 years, Halliburton's stock is pretty much flat. They're just up 3% over this time frame. Going back prior to the global financial crisis, however, Halliburton is compounding at a rate of 4% annually, so keep in mind that they have paid out dividends throughout this period as well. So their average dividend yield over this time would be in addition to this compounded annual return in their stock price. And right now, Halliburton is paying out a modest 1.2% dividend yield. So Halliburton is about $3 below their 52-week high. They're up nearly $20 from their 52-week low. A little over 2% of their shares outstanding are currently sold short, and Halliburton is a large business. They have a $37 billion market cap. For additional background about the company, Halliburton is one of the three largest oil field service firms in the world, offering superior expertise in a number of business lines, including completion fluids, wireline services, cementing, and countless others. It's the number one pressure pumper in North America and has been a leading innovator in hydraulic fracturing over the past two decades. The business has had quite the interesting history, and even at one point from 1995 until 2000, former Vice President Dick Cheney was CEO of the company. So Halliburton Company was founded in 1919 and is based in Houston, Texas. So for our fundamental analysis today, we are performing the Select 6 analysis, taking a checklist-style approach of six standard financial metrics to come to a holistic and beginning understanding of Halliburton based off of their business fundamentals. So this analysis is still an evolving process. It's a work in progress, and it's an opportunity to learn in public. So it will continue to improve and get better over time. With that said, let's get right into today's analysis. So starting things off with metric number one, we want their average return on capital over the past five years to be above 14%. And there are two key reasons for this. The first is that the average publicly listed business earns about a 7% return on capital. And the second is that over the long run, over the course of decades, a stock is likely to return approximately what its underlying business returns. And these business returns are going to be captured here by return on capital. So by asking for a benchmark of 14% or higher, we can potentially build in some margin of safety for ourselves based off the overall quality of the business being about twice as good as average. So in the case of Halliburton, because they're an oil field services company, their returns on capital are likely to fluctuate with the overall booms and busts in the oil and natural gas business, as this is a cyclical and commodity industry. So it's not necessarily surprising that Halliburton's return on capital has fluctuated with the price of oil over these past five years. They earned their lowest returns when the price of oil was lowest in 2020. And since then, with an increasing price of oil, their returns on capital have improved. Over their last 12 months, Halliburton's producing about 16% returns on capital. However, averaged out over these last five fiscal years, Halliburton's only averaging about a 9% return on capital, which even though that's slightly better than that of a typical business, that's well below that 14% benchmark we're looking for. And so this is an X to start things off here on metric number one for Halliburton. Next up for metric number two, here we're taking a high-level overview of the growth of their business over the past five years. So we're looking for revenue, net income, and free cash flow growth over this time. And this metric is all or nothing in nature. Either all three of these are going to be up for this to be a check, or if even one of these is down, this entire metric will be an X. We'll also be including their last 12 months worth of numbers in our calculations here. 
So over this time, Halliburton's total revenues have actually declined. Even though they look like they're down pretty significantly, including their last 12 months worth of numbers, they're only down by about 8%, but that still is a decline for the business. Then the business's net incomes have swung from being negative in three of these past five fiscal years to they are positive today. However, it's worth noting that they had big asset write-downs in both 2019 and 2020. However, these were non-cash charges as the company did produce positive free cash flow in all five of these fiscal years, and they're producing positive free cash flows over their last 12 months as well. However, even then, their free cash flows are currently down 29% from where they were in fiscal 2017. So the business is getting smaller and less free cash flow generative over this time. So this is another X here on metric number two for Halliburton. And if you're interested in understanding what those asset write downs were in more detail, I would recommend that you dive in and read the company's filings to learn more, especially in 2019 and 2020. Next up for metric number three, here we're taking the perspective of an individual shareholder in Halliburton by looking at the company on a per share basis. So we're looking for earnings per share growth over the past five years. Again, in our previous metric, we learned that their earnings have gone from being negative to positive over this time. So over their last 12 months, Halliburton has earned $1.92 per share. So this means that this is our first check of the day coming in here on metric number three. It's also worth noting that over this time frame, Halliburton has diluted existing shareholders by a modest 4%. So even though that is relatively modest, we ideally don't like to see shareholder dilution as long-term shareholders in a business, because when you purchase a share of stock, what you're really buying is a fractional ownership percentage in that business. And when a business issues new shares and dilutes existing shareholders, they're decreasing your ownership percentage in the business, which is ultimately going to decrease the percentage of the business's profits that you're going to be entitled to. So again, that's not ideal for the company, but this is our first check of the day here on metric number three. Next up for metric number four, this is going to be very similar. So here we're looking for free cash flow per share growth over the last five years. Again, Halliburton produced positive free cash flows in all five of these years. So this was a positive for the company. However, over this time with their last 12 months included and their slight shareholder dilution, their free cash flows per share have declined. Halliburton has only produced 87 cents worth of free cash flow per share over their last 12 months. Looking at their free cash flow statement, we can see that this is mainly from a decline in their cash from operations. And a major contributing factor to this was a $1.3 billion charge to their accounts receivable and nearly a $570 million change in their inventories. Those charges had significant impacts on Halliburton's cash flows over this time. And so again here, this is going to be an X on metric number four. So far through our first four metrics, we only have one check and three Xs for Halliburton. So next up for metric number five, here we're evaluating how the business is utilizing debt. So we don't want to be investing in overly levered businesses because during economic downturns, it's overly levered businesses that are going to be at the greatest risk of poor outcomes. So we want their net debt, which is their total debt minus their cash and their short-term investments to be below the amount of free cash flow that Halliburton has produced over the past five years. Halliburton reached its peak net debt position over this time in fiscal 2019. Since then, they've been steadily paying this down. And currently, Halliburton has about $7 billion worth of net debt. Over this time frame, though, Halliburton has only produced $5.4 billion worth of free cash flow cumulatively. That means that their net debt position is higher than what their cash flows are relatively able to support. And their free cash flows have come down recently because of those extra charges in the past 12 months. So on both a historical basis of their free cash flows over the last five years, and if we were to extrapolate their current free cash flows out over the next five years, it does not look like Halliburton would be able to support this debt load based off of their abilities to produce free cash flows. So this is an X here on metric number five. If their debt position is potentially worrisome to you, it would be worth your time to 
dig in and understand how this debt is structured, what rates are their debts at, and when do they mature. This will help you give a better understanding of if this is truly an issue for the company or not. But again, this is an X here on metric number five. Then our sixth and final metric, the big metric of them all, we want their average free cash flow to their total enterprise value to give us a yield that's above 5%. If this is the case, this will give us a reasonable starting point for a valuation of the company, and it'll potentially offer us a slight risk premium to the yield of the 10-year treasury. So right now, Halliburton has a $44 billion total enterprise value, and we're using their total enterprise value because it takes into account both their market cap and their net debt position, and it's going to give us a perspective of Halliburton that's more similar to as if the company were a private business. So we learned that over the past five years, Halliburton has produced $5.4 billion worth of free cash flow, meaning that in an average year, Halliburton produces $1.1 billion worth of free cash flow. So when we divide their $1.1 billion of their average free cash flow by their $44 billion total enterprise value, that only gives us about a 2.5% average free cash flow to enterprise value yield for the business. So that's exactly half of that 5% risk premium that we're ideally looking for, and that's below the yield of the 10-year treasury meaning that on an average basis here of their free cash flows to their enterprise value yield, this is going to be an X on Halliburton for metric number six, as it does not look like the company is currently offering us that risk premium that we'd ideally be seeking. Again, worth being aware of as well is that their free cash flows are down significantly over their last 12 months from where they are on average. So Halliburton has earned $784 million worth of free cash flow over their last 12 months. So to get a current free cash flow to enterprise value yield for the business, when we divide their $784 million of their last 12 months of free cash flow by their $44 billion total enterprise value, that only gives us a 1.8% current free cash flow to enterprise value yield for Halliburton. So that's even worse than where they are on a historical basis here. However, just because this is an X here on metric number six doesn't mean that all hope is lost for the business. It might just mean that Halliburton is not necessarily as mispriced as some other businesses we've looked at. This is not financial advice, and this is not a buy or sell recommendation of any security. This analysis is meant to be taken in holistically, and this is just one of our six metrics. While these metrics are simple, when they're combined together, they can be very powerful. Then as a bonus here, we're looking at Halliburton's dividend profile. So currently Halliburton pays out a 1.2% dividend yield. Again, Halliburton produced positive free cash flows in all five of these years, which was a strong showing for the business overall. The company though has slashed their dividend payouts pretty dramatically over this time frame, even while maintaining these positive free cash flows. While the company is producing enough free cash flow to be able to support this 72 cent dividend per share payout, they use the opportunity presented in 2020 to slash their dividend. And that could be potentially an interesting capital allocation decision. It truly depends on how management ends up allocating their cash flows going forward whether they're able to continue reinvesting into the business at above average rates of return, or if it's more worthwhile for the business to keep paying down their debt. So with dividend cuts over the past two fiscal years and some declining free cash flows over their last 12 months, it would likely be worth your time if you're interested in Halliburton to dig in and understand how management is approaching capital allocation and understand what management has said in the past about their approach to capital allocation to really verify how that's played out in actuality and whether you can trust and have confidence in the competence and integrity of management. Then everything we've discussed so far is important, but there's something missing that in my opinion is the main reason to analyze Halliburton. 
which takes us on to using a discounted cash flow model to come to a potential fair value for Halliburton. So a discounted cash flow is just like any other model in any other discipline. Its outputs are going to be sensitive to its inputs. So here we're starting with an average of Halliburton's free cash flows over their last five years. To give us a more normalized perspective of the business as they do operate in a cyclical service industry. Then if we project these average free cash flows out over the next 10 years, where we assume that the company is able to grow these at a rate of 5% annually, and then we assume a terminal stage for the business for the 10 years out after that, where these average free cash flows grow at a rate of 3% annually, if we were to add in the company's tangible book value today, which approximates their net worth, and we were ideally seeking a 15% rate of return from Halliburton, then it looks like a fair value for the company is just about $15 per share. So that's down significantly, down more than $25 from what their current stock price is. So please keep in mind that this 15% rate of return would be including their dividend yield, so we would not be doubly counting their dividends here. Then secondly, there are reasons why this might not be potentially accurate going forward for the business. Because they're a service provider to a cyclical industry, Halliburton's future free cash flows may not be as predictable as the future free cash flows of some other types of businesses. So it's really up to you to do your own homework here to determine whether or not these potential growth assumptions are going to be accurate and applicable going forward for Halliburton to give us a baseline projected estimate of the business over their next 20 years. And again, there are reasons why these might not be accurate and may not be as predictable for the business going forward. So please keep in mind that this analysis is not financial financial advice, it's not a buy or sell recommendation of any security, and before considering any potential investment decision, please consult with the properly licensed and registered legal and financial professionals. So in just a minute, we'll talk about our summary for Halliburton, but we have to address something first. What are some of the qualitative aspects of this business, especially those around the key points that support either a potential long or a potential short thesis of Halliburton? So starting with some of the key points around a potential long thesis for Halliburton, number one, Halliburton's recent focus on integrated service offerings will enhance profitability and efficiency for both the firm and its customers. Number two, Halliburton's diverse product portfolio and geographic exposure will help the firm maximize profitability by leveraging its considerable expertise across end markets. And number three, high demand for electric frack spreads will allow Halliburton to maintain premium prices in North America for at least a decade. Then for some of the key points around a potential short thesis to the company, number one, Halliburton's heavy exposure to the oil and gas market leaves it particularly susceptible to permanently decreased industry investment. Number two, onshore oil and gas production is likely very close to maximum efficiency, which will reduce any one firm's abilities to maintain differentiation moving forward. And number three, as the North American shale market grows increasingly commoditized and consolidated, Halliburton will encounter difficulties in continuing to extract value from the industry over time. So hopefully that offers a potentially balanced perspective around some of the key qualitative points supporting either a long or a short thesis of Halliburton. Now it's time for our wrap up. So in summary, Halliburton only checks the box on one out of our six metrics today. The company was off when we looked at both an average and a current basis of their free cash flows to their enterprise value yield and compared that to the yield of the 10-year treasury. Both of those were coming in below the yield of the 10-year treasury and well below that 5% risk premium we were ideally looking for. Also, their free cash flows over the past five years did not look like they supported the business's current net debt position, and their free cash flows are down from where they have been historically over their last 12 months. This is mainly due to a large $1.3 billion change in their accounts receivable. And because of that and modest shareholder dilution, their free cash flows per share were down over the past five years. One redeeming point for the business was that they produced positive free cash flows over all five of these years. 
potentially highlighting one of the benefits of being a service provider instead of an exploration and production company in the oil and natural gas business. Then the company also had big asset write downs in both 2019 and 2020. So their earnings went from being negative to positive over the past five years, but their revenues are down over this period as well. Then while Halliburton has earned 16% returns on capital over their last 12 months, on average, they're only producing about 9% returns on capital. And finally, looking at their dividend profile, while Halliburton has supported their dividend payouts in all five of these years, the business did decide in 2020 and then again in 2021 to cut their dividend. Now they're paying out a much smaller amount per share and have a much lower dividend payout ratio than they did in 2017, 2018, or 2019, even though they would have been able to support that dividend, again, because of their positive free cash flows over all five of these years. Then finally, performing a discounted cash flow analysis of Halliburton. If you've done the work and you believe that those growth assumptions are going to be accurate and applicable for Halliburton going forward, then it looks like from today's valuations, if you were reasonably expecting about a 15% rate of return from Halliburton, which is the rate of return that Warren Buffett is ideally looking for for a business, then a fair value for the company is only around $15 per share. So the last time Halliburton was around that price was back in November of 2020. And since then, the business's stock price is up more than two and a half times. There, there are reasons though, because they operate in a commoditized and a cyclical industry, why their free cash flows may not be as predictable in the future as some other businesses. So it's worth reiterating that this type of analysis is not financial advice. It's not a buy or sell recommendation of any security. And before considering any potential investment decision, please consult with your financial advisor. This analysis instead serves as a beginning and holistic understanding of Halliburton to help you determine whether it's worth your time and energy to dig in and learn more about the business. One resource that will definitely help you stay up to speed with what's going on in the market and help you learn more about the business is Seeking Alpha. Checking out Seeking Alpha directly supports the channel as I'm part of their affiliate program. So most of you probably know Seeking Alpha as a source of community written articles on different stocks. But over the past little while, they've actually become a lot more than that with their new offering, which is Seeking Alpha Premium. Premium has a number of different features where you can track buy, hold, and sell ratings on your favorite stocks. These ratings are from the Seeking Alpha community, Wall Street analysts, and Seeking Alpha's algorithm. You can see earnings call transcripts, investor presentations, SEC filings, and press releases all in one place. You can add your own margin of safety targets and get alerts for when your favorite stocks hit that level. You can get unlimited access to Seeking Alpha articles, and you can tailor your reading experience based on the type of investor you are. You can get 10 years of financial data on any stock to help you with your analysis. You can also import your portfolio into your Seeking Alpha dashboard to make research easier. And if that didn't convince you, the best thing is that an annual plan is only 119 bucks. That's just 33 cents per day through my referral link down in the description below. Normally premium is $239, but if you use my link, it's 50% off. So check it out if you're interested. So as a value investor, you're ultimately trying to conduct this research as if you're going to own 100% of a company and you can truly understand the ins and outs of that business and understand its underlying essence. So through this deeper research, you'll learn more about the qualitative and the quantitative aspects of Halliburton, and you'll likely be able to determine for yourself what a reasonably appropriate intrinsic value for Halliburton will be. So with that said, that's it for today's fundamental stock analysis of Halliburton Company, ticker symbol HAL, HAL. Again, we looked at the business as a subscriber request today, and because the business's stock price is up over 45% over the past year, so I'm happy to make an analysis of the company. And if you enjoyed today's video, please be sure to like the video, subscribe to the channel for more stock analysis videos, and comment down below what business you want me to take a look at next time. Thanks for learning about Halliburton with me, and have a great day.